Hi, I'm Nancy Dufresne. Welcome to our podcast channel. We know you'll be blessed by today's message. This morning, I had the privilege of doing something that I seem to have more and more opportunities of doing. And that is stepping out on nothing. And believing that when my foot landed, that there would be something there to step on. If you've never been in that position before, um, (laughs) well, it's interesting. I was telling Pastor Nancy earlier tonight that uh, my father had prophesied over me, and that's what I want to talk about tonight is the prophetic word. My father had prophesied over me before he died, and he said, when you go to Kenya, which I was to go to in about a month, he said, when you go to Kenya, you will have the double portion anointing that you have prayed for. Well, I knew what that meant. I knew that Elisha could not get the double portion anointing until Elijah was gone. And he said, as a sign to you, when you get to Kenya on the last night, you'll have twice as many people in the crowd as I had when I was there in 1968, after uh, Kenya had become, uh, had come out from under the British Empire and a man by the name of Kenyatta was the prime minister and that's the president and that's the, that how the country got its name, Kenyatta, Kenya. And uh, my father had 100,000 people on the last day. And he, he said to me, you'll have double. And I thought to myself, God, could this be? Could this little evangelist from Tulsa, Oklahoma have 200,000 people in a crowd? And uh, the last day came and we had not had any more than about 30 to 40,000 in a crowd. Well, that's a pretty good sized crowd right there. <clears throat> and I wondered how God was going to do it. But it was a light thing. It was a light thing for him. And when I got to the service, we were in the Uhuru Park, which is the big park in the center of the city. Anyone who's been to Nairobi knows about Uhuru Park. It's massive. And when I got there, the police captain met me and said, Dr. Roberts, there are more than 200,000 people here tonight. And I I just, I began shaking. And when I... When I got out of the car, the Lord spoke to me and said, do not preach what you have prepared. He pulled a Nancy on me. And I said, well, what do you want me to do? There are 200,000 people here. I've never seen anything like it in my life. He said, I'll show you when you get to the platform. Now, brothers, sisters, that's faith. (laughs) To believe that when you open your mouth in that situation, that God will fill it with what he wants. And I just said, okay, God, okay, you're in charge. You handle 200,000. You can certainly handle a message from me. And when my feet hit the platform, he showed me what to do. Oh, were there miracles that night. Probably 25,000 people gave their hearts to the Lord Jesus that night. And so many healing miracles. Gave my heart to the Lord. You all know my testimony. I was 19 just a few weeks before my 20th birthday. And that night, my father prophesied over me. He said, I I see you in a healing ministry. 
He said, I see you being used differently than I have been used. I see the Lord using you through the word of knowledge and as well as through the gifts of healing. He said, the Lord will give you many words of knowledge. He said, not that you can't lay hands on people, but predominantly you will not do that because you will be in circumstances where that won't be possible. He said, you'll be on TV a lot more than I have been on TV where you've not had that. And he said, the word of knowledge ministry is tailor made for television. And by the way, the internet as well, especially for Facebook and YouTube and things like that. Well, uh, that, that's, uh, that's when I rolled out of the bed because he, he did pray for me. I was healed that night. But he also said that there would be a power that would come through my chest. And when I spoke, people would be healed. And I didn't understand it. I was 19. And it took some maturing. Oftentimes when God speaks a prophetic word, we think it's going to come immediately and it does not necessarily come immediately. There are a lot of prophecies in the Bible that have not yet come to pass too, but they are coming to pass on a regular basis. And some years went by and I spent a lot of time with a number of people who were in prophetic ministries. And then in the late seventies, I was a guest on uh, the old PTL club. And uh, after I was interviewed, a woman by the name of Vicki Jameson came and sat down next to me. And I, I began to squirm in my chair because I did not like her. <laughs> I thought that she was a fake. And uh, she sat down next to me and I kind of scooted over in my chair because I did not want to sit next to her. But I was on live national television and I couldn't get away. And when the program came to an end, uh, I was asked to pray and then she was asked to pray. But instead of praying, she began to prophesy. And there's no way she could have known anything. We had not even met. She could not have known anything. And she gave the same prophetic word over me that my father had given some years earlier. And uh, then several years later, that's when the healing ministry came into my life. Uh, we must have the prophetic gifting. It is extremely important. Pastor Nancy's husband, Ed, was very strong in the prophetic. Those of you who knew him, you know what I'm talking about. We must have the prophetic. The prophetic is part of the miraculous. We must have the prophetic in the Word of God. I, I know a young man who was called to a certain city for ministry, but he did not want to go there. And he said, I'll, I'll go uh, to Brother Hagin's camp meeting and I'll believe that God will speak to me in that camp meeting. And when he got there, he and his wife, the building was full, the old Tulsa Assembly Center, 12,000 people packed it out. And there were no seats except in the rafters. And he sat up in the last row of the end of the building and said, well, I suppose God is not going to be able to, to uh, climb over that hurdle. And during the service, Brother Hagin did what he did often. He stepped off the platform and came out into the crowd and began walking up down the aisles. And before the service was over, he walked all the way to the end and he walked up every step to the very top and called this young man out. Amen. I know the young man. 
It's a true story. We have to have the prophetic. We must have it. In the 1960s, in the early 1960s, the Beatles came out with a song. It was sung by George Harrison, who was the guitarist for the Beatles. And it was titled, Listen, Do You Want to Know a Secret? Most of you are not old enough to remember that song, <laughs> except Mitch and me, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and the words had sort of a semi-prophetic ring to it. Uh, it went like this, listen, and then the singers would sing, do, da, do, do you want to know a secret? Do, da, do you promise not to tell? Whoa, 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 closer, do, da, let me whisper in your ear, do, da, say the words I long to hear, I'm in love with you. Me and Mitch and Pastor Debbie. <laughs> and in the late 1960s, we were recording uh, music in the Capitol Studio A uh, in Hollywood. And I looked up into the recording booth and there stood George Harrison. And I, I, I looked, I shook my head and said, is that who I think it is? And so I went into the booth and introduced myself and met him, had a conversation with him. He was recording, he was in Studio B recording and I was in Studio A. So I actually got to meet him. And uh, I got to meet some pretty, pretty interesting people in my life. But I was thinking about that song this afternoon because of the prophetic, because God reveals his secrets yes. to his prophets. Open your Bibles tonight. I got a bunch of notes for you tonight. Get something to write on. And if Pastor Nancy doesn't come and change everything, <laughs> open up your Bible to Amos chapter three. Amos chapter three. And let's look at the seventh verse. Surely the Lord God will do nothing but he revealeth his secrets yeah. Yeah. unto his servants, the prophets. God always tells the prophets first. And then the prophets reveal it to the body of Christ and to the world. Now turn over to Second Chronicles. That's over to your left, by the way. Second Chronicles 20 and verse 20. Pastor Craig, you were talking about Jehoshaphat uh, tonight. In this passage, he said, believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe his prophets and so shall you prosper. We talked about prospering this morning, didn't we? That is an ugly word in some circles, but it's not in my circle Amen. and it's not in this circle that I'm in. Amen. Now turn over to second Kings, second Kings chapter 13. We 
You said 2 Kings tonight, Pastor Craig. I thought you were going there. I thought, well, Pastor Nancy's not going to mess with me, mess with me tonight, but Pastor Craig is. <laughs> 2 Kings chapter 13. Have you found it? Yes. This is a marvelous story beginning at verse 14. Um, am I in the right? Oh, I'm in 12. No wonder. Oh, no wonder I can't find it. I can't see it. Don't have my glasses. I left them somewhere. Whoever has my glasses in the building, let me know that you have them. I paid a dollar for them. I buy them by the dozen at the dollar store because what happens happened tonight. Somewhere between the hotel and here, they're gone. I either step on them or I sit on them or I break them or, or I lose them. Mercy. Uh, let's see. Let's begin reading in verse 14. <laughs> That's where I was in the first place. I just can't see it. Now, Elisha had fallen sick and was about to die. And Joash, the king of Israel, came to him and wept over him and said, Oh, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof. That's uh, what Elisha had said when Elijah was going up, if you remember. And Elisha said unto him, Take your bow and arrow. And he took unto him bow and arrow and said to the king of Israel, Put thine hand upon the bow. And he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And he said, Open the window eastward toward the enemy. And he opened it, and Elisha said, Shoot. And he shot. And he said, The arrow of the Lord's deliverance, and the arrow of deliverance from Syria, for thou shalt smite the Syrians till they have been consumed. Then he said, Take an arrow. And he took an arrow. And uh, he said unto the king of Israel, smite upon the ground or strike the ground. And the man of God was wroth because Joash only struck the ground three times. And Elisha said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Now you will only defeat your enemy three times and they will overtake you. I've been calling upon God for prophetic utterances into my life, especially over the past several weeks, perhaps more than any other time in my life, because I have to have God's voice. And I'm not the only one in this room that needs God's voice. You need God's voice. And if you study this passage, Elisha had been the prophet in Israel for more than 60 years. He's now in his 80s and he's ready for his final miracle. And Joash, the king, faced a problem. He was facing the Syrian army, which was much larger. And he knew that he had to get to the prophet. And he knew the scriptures. And he knew Elisha's track record. And so 
He came down to where Elisha was because he heard he was dying. And Elisha understood. Elisha understood the situation. And so he said to them, take your bow and arrow and fit an arrow in the, in the string. Open the window and shoot toward your enemy. And as he did, Elisha cried out, the arrow of deliverance, arrow of deliverance from Syria. Then he said, take an arrow and strike the ground. And the king took an arrow and struck the ground three times. And Elisha got angry. He said, you should have struck the ground at least five or six times so that your enemy would be consumed. And history proves because we're still facing problems in the Middle East because of Joash's disobedience. Because he missed the word of the Lord. And immediately the Bible says Elisha died and they buried him. What an end. As uh, the old Life of Riley show used to say, what a revolting development that turned out to be. <laughs> Most of you aren't old enough to remember that show either, except maybe Pastor Mitch and Debbie. <laughs> and they buried him. But the Bible says sometime later, a group of men came by and they took the body of a dead man and they dropped it into the grave or the sepulcher where Elisha had been buried. And the man came alive. And stood upon his feet. <laughs> you know, the power of God on an anointed man or woman who has a spirit of prophecy in him is still powerful. Yes. Power in Elisha's bones. It may be an apostle, it may be a prophet, it may be an evangelist, it may be a pastor, it may be a teacher, it may be some layman in the church. But we've got to have, we've got to have, we've got to have the prophetic voice. Now let's take a little detour and go into the New Testament. Open up to Luke chapter six and verse 38. Now, most of you know that scripture and you may say, well now how do we get from Joash and Elisha over to Luke 6:38? Well, it's gonna be clear to you in a moment. Jesus said these words in Luke 6:38: give and it shall be given unto you good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Amen. Now you're going to begin to catch what I was reading about and telling about with Elisha and Joash when the prophet said, strike the ground three times, or strike the ground and the king only struck the ground three times. You're going to understand. You're going to understand about God's secrets. Everyone here tonight, you and I, everyone here, is facing some type of battle, mm -hmm. some type of attack. Yes. It's either spiritual, or it's physical, or it's financial, yeah. or it's emotional, or it's in some other area of your life. Everyone here is facing something. My father said to me, you're going to face things in your life. Yes. The prophets faced things. Yes. Oftentimes when they gave a word, they had to literally run for their life. Yes. We're going to face things. Everyone here at some time has faced a financial crunch. Yes. 
we heard about one tonight and how he got out. Everyone here has faced some type of spiritual dilemma. Everyone here has faced a dry patch. Everyone here is facing something. And what we have to have is we have to have the voice of God. And we have to be in an atmosphere where the Holy Spirit can move. Thank God for the preaching. Thank God for the teaching. But we've got to have the prophetic voice of God. And most churches today are non-profit corporations. And you say, well, there have been some abuses. Oh, yes, there have. But just because there have been some who have abused does not mean that every prophet is an abuser. You know, there are some crooked doctors, but not every doctor is a crook. There have been some crooked lawyers, but not every lawyer is a crook. There have been some bad preachers, but not every preacher is a bad preacher. And we must not throw out the baby with the bathwater. That phrase came about in 15th century England. In the month of June, when people got married, the town came together in a big tub and that's when they took their annual bath. First the men, then the women, then the children and the babies. And by the time the babies got out, the water was so dirty Someone would say, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. That's how that phrase came into being. And we have a tendency of throwing out the baby with the bathwater. Because there's been some prophetic yahoo out there. I got a call from Pastor Al Jandel some years ago in Houston. And he said to me, could you come this Friday, Saturday, and Sunday and close out my revival? And I said, well, what's going on, Pastor? He said, well, uh, we've had a man here, and uh, we thought he had a prophetic gifting. It turned out it was a fake. And what he was doing was he was going out into the lobby of the church, and he was interviewing people before the service. And then during the service, he would give a prophetic word of what he heard them tell him in the lobby. And he said, I found out about it and I had to, I gave him an offering and sent him on his way. And I'd like for you to come and close the revival. And a few weeks later, I was with my father and we were watching television one night and this young man was on the program. And I remember it clear as a bell. My father looked at me and said, son, if you ever wanted to see a false prophet, there is one. Would you please change the channel? Which I did. Yes, there have been some abuses out there. But you cannot miss out on the voice of God. The Bible says, give and it shall be given unto you good measure. Notice the word measure. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give to your bosom for with what measure you give. It will be given to you again. That word measure, it's a powerful word. That word measure, with what measure you give. Joash's measure was three. 
God wanted his measure to be at least five or six. And sometimes we Christians stop without putting in our full measure. That's good. We miss the measure of what he wants us to do. And we wonder why we're not prospering. Now look at Joash. Joash was a Jew. He was the king. And no doubt he had grown up in the synagogue, perhaps even in the temple in Jerusalem. He knew the word of God. It probably had been poured into him. They poured the word of God into Jewish boys. He knew the word. He knew that God revealed his secrets through the prophets. He knew that. He also knew he had to be established in God and he had to believe the prophet in order to prosper. And he had a problem. And he knew that Elisha was the mouthpiece of God. And so he went down there. But when the prophet spoke, he didn't put in the full measure. He went halfway. And we're still being judged in the world today because of his halfwayness. Cain sowed when he got around to it. Abel gave of his first fruit and was blessed. God rejected Cain's because he gave something that meant nothing to him. And because it meant nothing to him, it meant nothing to God. And God rejected it. The measure. One day Moses came to Pharaoh and said, we want to go out into the wilderness to worship the Lord. And Pharaoh said, well, you men can go, but you can't take your family with you. And Moses said, we're all going or none of us are going. We're taking the full measure. We're taking all of Israel. And Pharaoh said, no. And the plagues just kept on coming. It just kept on coming. There is a loss of a measure in many churches today. They're not measuring out what God wants them to measure. And many are wondering why, why have I not reached my goal? Why have I not reached where I've been dreaming of? Why hasn't it been, been fulfilled? We need to check our tithe and offering. We need to give the full measure of what God wants us to do. And I've been learning this the hard way because I think that I have been derelict at times in my life in this. And uh, although it doesn't sound pretty, I'm not, I'm not ashamed to admit it because we have all sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. Sometimes we miss it and we need to be reminded and we need to remind our people. We need to show the miraculous. We need to understand how important that measure is because what you measure out is going to be what's measured back. And we don't give the full measure and yet we want a, an 18 wheeler full of blessings. And we wonder why we're getting a teaspoonful. And this has been pouring into me because I've got some things in my heart that, that, uh, that I know I'm supposed to do and I don't know how to do them. So I've got to have the prophetic voice of God. I've got to have God speak into my life. And the king knew that. 
He knew he had to have, he had to have Elisha. He was established in God, but he had to have more. He had to have the voice of the prophet. And we have got to have the prophetic voice in our lives. And so much of my life, a prophecy has played an important role. Uh, Kenneth Hagin prophesied that my wife and I would be married. And he prophesied it in front of 4,000 people. And I was on the platform and Lindsay was out in the crowd and she crawled under her seat. <laughs> scared out of her mind. Because we knew that if we got married after what I had been through, all hell would break loose. Yeah. And I had taken her out uh, to... Uh, Palm Springs where my father and mother had a home at that time. And I wanted her to meet my dad and my dad to meet her because I knew what would happen. I knew that a prophetic word would come forth. And we got there. It was late at night. He was already in bed. My mother was up and she answered the door and she said, go on back there. Oral's in bed reading. And he was sitting in bed up in bed with the pillows propped behind him with his reading glasses on and had a as I recall, a Louis L'Amour Western in his hand, he was reading. At any given time, my dad had read most of the New York Times bestseller list. He couldn't read the Bible at night because he'd stay awake and preach all night. So he had to read something secular to go to sleep. And, and when, I, when, I, when I took Lindsay into the room, he looked up over his glasses and said, so this is your bride. Now I had a word from Brother Hagin and I had a word from Oral Roberts. I thought I was going to be okay. I had to have that influence in my life. And then when Lindsay was suffering from endometriosis and could not have children, but, but would only have miscarriages, we went to a Southwest Believers Conference in, in Fort Worth and Kenneth called us out and looked at us and said, you'll have children sooner than you think. All we were having was miscarriages. But we had to have a prophetic word. Right. We had to have the voice of God. Yes. We had so much, of, so much of my life, I don't know what to do. I'm not that smart. I've got to have the voice of God. Yes. Because when I make my own plans, more times than not, I'm wrong. Mm -hmm. yes. I make mistakes. Yes. Anybody here ever made a mistake? Yes. Put your hand up. You know? <laughs> made more mistake? Put up both hands. <laughs> Terry, I won't have you raise both feet. I... <laughs> you know, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We're human beings and we make mistakes. Yeah. And, and there are times we can't afford to make a mistake. We've got to have the word of God. Yeah. We've got to know what to do. Yeah. And sometimes we have to go off on our own and we have to say, God, I'm not moving from this place until I hear from you. I'm not going to move my feet. I, I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to, I'm not going to until, until you speak to me right. and you have to place a demand upon God yeah, that's right. Amen. and you're not insulting him when you place a demand on him. Right. You can say, God, I'm not moving till I hear from you. I've got to know what you want me to do because yeah. the stakes are too high yeah. to make big mistakes. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Got to have the prophetic voice and Amen. Joash knew that. He knew he had to be established in God. Well, everyone here is established in God or you wouldn't be here. Amen. But we've got to have the voice of the prophet. We've got to have the prophetic voice. He said apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, 
pastors. We got to have it all. Amen. And my father taught me that the five offices are like your hand. Everybody hold up your hand like this. He said, look at your thumb. That represents the apostle. That's the main finger on your hand. That's the base. That's the apostle. And what's next? The finger you point with. That's the prophet who points the way. And the next finger is the longest finger. That's the evangelist. That's the one who's always reaching out for the lost. And what's next? The ring finger. That's the teacher. I beg your pardon, the pastor. (laughs) Always married to the church. And the little finger is the teacher. Copeland. He can take Jesus wept and preach three hours. I heard, I heard from Pastor Nancy, he was at a funeral and it was, went seven hours. At the service. Seven hours. And most of it was him. We've got to have the prophetic voice. And when he gave that prophetic word over us, all we were having was miscarriages. And then a dead son. He said, it'll happen. And it did. And all three of my girls are now in their 30s. I've got to have the prophetic voice. And I have a feeling the main reason that you're here, why this conference is packed out, is because you need to hear from God. There is no substitute for the voice of God. He's been speaking to me tonight. As Pastor Craig was talking tonight, he was speaking to my heart when he said it's only light. I'm believing God to build a building in Oklahoma. And I've been struggling and battling. And I talked about it at lunch today. But Pastor Craig said, it's light. I took that. That was a, that was a prophetic word for me tonight. I took it. It's mine now. I don't care where you got it. It's mine. It's a light thing. It's a light thing. If God can fill a valley full of water, he can take care of a building for me. No matter how much the costs in America have risen, no matter that the, the, all the uh, uh, stuff for the construction has doubled in price, he's got the money. He's got the gold, he's got the silver, he's got the precious gems. And there's an end time transfer of wealth that's coming. Who's going to come to? The righteous. Are you one of the righteous? I am. It's going to come to the sower, to the one who sows. That's who it's going to come to. Every opportunity I get, my love, my time, my money, my prayers, my smiles, whatever it is, that's a seed. And God will use that seed and he will multiply it back to me. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Because with the same measure I give, it's going to be measured back to me. Yes. I don't want to be like Joash and give a, a, only a partway measure. Yeah. A halfway measure. Yeah. That's right. 
My dad used to tell the story about a man by the name of Halfway Smith. <laughs> he never finished anything. He only went halfway. Until finally one day he was hospitalized with double pneumonia. <laughs> and he said, I finally went over the top. <laughs> Not halfway anymore. I got double. <laughs> Listen, folks. Yeah. It's dark out there. Yeah. Hell is running rampant. Yes, it is. They're getting ready to have a major satanic conference in Boston. It's all over the news today. Hell is out there on every corner. Tulsa used to be a fairly safe city. Burglaries have gone wild, especially since COVID. And the police are standing back and not doing a lot. Just in our own neighborhood, uh, they captured a man just, uh, you know, it must have been just yesterday and put him in jail because there were so many burglaries going on in our area of the city. It's, it's, it's tough out there. It's, 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 it's difficult. We're not in control of the times, but he is. He knows what we need to do. He knows where we need to go. He knows what we need to say when we get there. He has the word. And that's what you've come for. Amen. You come to get a word. You didn't come just to learn six new sermons to preach next That's six right. weeks. Yes. You came to get a prophetic word from God. And I got mine. Yeah, yeah. And if there's more, I'll take more. I want more, not less. Because I know this man. I know this woman. I know their ministry. I know their calling. I've been in their church. I've traveled with them. I've been in Korea with them. I know them. I've broken bread with them. I know that they're the real deal. Amen. And that's what I want. Amen. I don't want the false. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why God gave you the ability to discern the difference. Yes. Yes. You can tell the difference. Yes. Got to have the prophet. Yes. Got to have it. Amen. I've got to have it in my life. Yes. And I'm going to have it. Amen. And when you decide I'm going to have it, and you say to the Lord, I'm not moving on this thing until you speak. That's when he speaks. That's when you hear his voice. And that's what I want. And I'm going to have it. I was in my room this afternoon studying, asking God what he wanted me to do tonight. I didn't know. And he began to speak to me. He showed me what to do. Showed me what to do in the morning. It's amazing what you get if you just ask. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive so that your joy may be full. Just asking. Praise God. Pastor Nancy, there is no ending to this message. I really don't remember starting. There is no ending. Um, I'm not real long-winded. You know, I, I don't preach very long because he who speaketh short shall be invited again. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> 
This is a conference where we're coming together. Oh, that we could get this message to the world. Coming together. This is so important. This is so valuable, what we're doing. Coming together. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. There's so much that we can do together that we can't do alone. We don't need to be islands in the stream. No, come on. Amen. We need to be together. Yes, sir. Amen. And that's what's happening here. Yes. I felt it. I know you feel it. Reminds me of the story of the big animals and the little animals were having a football game. At the half, the big animals were ahead 50 to nothing. And the coach of the big animals said to his team, the next half, let's just go out there and kill them. (laughs) The second half began and the lion said, give me the ball. He went running around right in when something grabbed him and threw him in the dirt. He went back to the huddle and they said, what hit you? He said, it was that centipede. (laughs) And the rhinoceros said, give me the ball. And he went running around the other side of the line. Something grabbed him by the horn and dropped him in the dirt. Went back to the huddle and they said, what hit you? He said, it was that centipede. And the elephant said, give me the ball. And with a blast of his trunk, he went right up the middle when something grabbed him by the trunk and swung him around and dropped him in the dirt. And when he got back to the huddle, he didn't say anything. And neither did anybody else. Finally, he said, it was that centipede. And the coach of the big animals called timeout. And he walked across the field where the coach of the little animals was standing and said, where was that centipede in the first half? He said he was putting on his shoes. (laughs) Well, friends, that's what we're doing here. We're putting on our shoes. Somebody stand up and begin to give him praise. We're putting on our shoes. We're coming together. We're coming together. One can put a thousand to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. There's so much we've got to do. We've got to usher in the second coming of the Lord. And it's going to take M-O-N-E-Y to do it. And if you've been ashamed of raising offerings in your church, stop it. Stop being ashamed. There's nothing wrong with money. Money is simply the accepted medium of exchange for goods and services. Money is neither bad nor good. It has no gender. You do good with it, it's good money. You do bad with it, it's filthy lucre. That's why Paul could call it filthy lucre and also said it had an odor of a sweet smell. He was talking about the filthy way in which some people use it and the godly way in which other people are using it. When you stand before your congregation, be proud to stand up there and say, I'm giving you an opportunity to sow into the kingdom. But listen, add something else to it. Not just sow into the kingdom, but to sow into your own future. Because he said, whatever you measure is going to be measured back to you again. I don't want my answer to come in a teaspoon. I want it to come in an 18-wheeler loaded with benefits and blessings and miracles and healings. And there's so many, I can't shut the door. That's what I want.
Take this home with you. Preach it. But more than that, live it. Somebody shout amen. We trust you've enjoyed this message. Visit us at DufresneMinistries.org to learn of our upcoming meetings, share your testimony, become a partner, or visit our online store. This program has been made possible by the friends and partners of Dufresne Ministries.